Drilling fluids touch just about everything in the drilling process. We're here to deconstruct the drilling process and drilling fluid concepts to provide a deeper understanding of our industry. In each episode, we'll share information, talk to interesting people, and maybe share a few stories along the way. Welcome to The Flow Line, a production of AES Drilling Fluids, brought to you by Matt Offenbacher and Justin Gautier. All right, welcome to another episode of The Flow Line. Matt, instead of how are you doing today, how are you feeling today? A little stressed. Okay. There's a lot going on. Exciting. Uh, worth uh, telling? Uh, what to, worth talking about? Um, well... It's exciting in as much as we have lots of papers for the AAD Fluids Conference. We have lots of publications we're working on. Okay. The problem is it's all due at about the same time, and there's just a lot of moving parts. Sure. And in many cases, I'm trying to help encourage different groups along, which puts me in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's just a little stressful, but we're going to get through it. We got some good people helping out. Good deal. Yeah. No, that's exciting. A lot of a lot of stuff to look forward to, but it's not uh, it's not always rainbows and unicorns, as they like to say. And uh, you know, it's it's a good time of year. I mean, obviously, 2020s kicked off. Everyone's excited, and you know, the uncertainty kind of draws excitement too. And so, uh, you know, I think it's worth definitely just noting. Uh, you know, even the best of us get stressed out, Matt. It's okay. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. And uh, speaking of feeling. Uh, you know the times when you wake up with your neck's kinked and you can't turn to the either the left or right? Well, I feel like Zoolander right now because I can't turn my head to the, well, the right, so I'm constantly having to look left. So, um, yeah, between stress and kink necks, I mean, we're going to get through this episode, I promise. We shall survive. And I, I do have one thing to add from our uh, high-temperature, high-pressure episode. Okay. I got a little bit of feedback. Excellent. There are such things as mud coolers that work. Ah, there was a little bit of buzz around there recently. Yeah, well, apparently the uh, the trick is have dedicated hands run them and maintain them, which I think okay. makes some sense, and have them on separate power and have two of them, and you can get a pretty good drop. Somewhere between 20 and 40 degrees is kind of what I'm hearing. Um, but most of the horror stories involved weighted muds, the Derek hand being overwhelmed with, I've got to keep an eye on this mud cooler, and do my day job. Gotcha. And uh, the worst stories seem to surround Bayright falling out and settling and jamming up the whole thing. Oh, wow. So. Okay. Yeah. But I wanted to share that because it is an update. There are such things as mud coolers at work. Excellent. Excellent. Well, I'm glad you told me that because I hadn't heard, uh, I haven't heard whether they do or they don't, other than I know they're available and I've never been exposed to them, but uh, certainly people are, and which is good. Another tool in the toolbox. Absolutely. Speaking of tools, uh, most of the tools we have revolve around different types of mud systems. So I thought, uh, and something that I haven't been exposed to down here, but uh, when I was in Canada, something that we used quite a bit, and even on a rig as a roughneck I used, uh, were potassium silicates or just the term silicate mud. So yeah. why don't we you know, talk a little bit about that and, and see where that leads us? Sure. I mean, you know, it's interesting because they come up Every so often, because they tend to have a fairly decent environmental footprint, mm-hmm. um, they can be in really reactive formations where you can't use oil-based mud. They're fantastic. Mm. Um, they do have a few things that that might lead you to understand why you don't see them as much as you you would think right. when you hear about how great they are on the on in some cases. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, uh, so silicates. I mean, that's. It's a term that you don't really hear much about, 
you know, like, you know, whether it's, you know, you have a water-based mud or an oil-based mud, you kind of have an idea of what it is, but what is a silicate mud? So a silicate mud has, a, as you mentioned, potassium or sodium silicate. Um, and, and what happens is, is you're, you're running at a fairly high pH, which we'll go into more detail later. But when I, when I encounter a clay, what happens is clays tend to be somewhat acidic. Okay. So I have that pH drop, um, and that causes the silicate to precipitate and react with the cation, cations present in the clay and create basically the silicate layer. It, it almost looks like glass in the lab. Oh, um, is that why on a rig they always talked about basically drilling with liquid glass? Is that yes. okay? That's where that comes from. Yeah. Got so it. I mean, the cuttings, if, if, if by the shakers you saw them, they're pretty hard and yeah, you know, real. they uh, they work really well in reactive clay formations, even some dispersive clay formations. Um, huh. So okay. they're that is is kind of what they do well. Gotcha. Well, that even I mean, you talk about it. I mean, again, remembering what I went through on the rig is they were always, cause you know, explaining it was something new and you know, we had tank farms and we had to spray the rig down with this like film so that it wouldn't stick to whether it was the tongs or the derrick or anything that the mud could possibly get on, you know, the handrails. And it was to be able to clean it because you had to waste, if that stuff dried, you would almost have to chip it off like paint. Like it yep. literally, you couldn't scrub it. It was, and once it dried, you, it was game over. And so, um, kind of, I guess, looking at that part of it, seeing what's going on downhole, it's almost creating like a, you know, a, a glass casing or if you will, or whatever, something to, to be kind of wrap your head around. Sure. And, and I mean, it is used in some cases to, to inhibit not only shale swelling and, and dispersion, but actually kind of well, strengthen the wellbore or enhance its stability. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you had these sloughing shale layers or that sort of thing, um, this is a way to tie them up. So gotcha. the idea is, is really, really nice. Interesting. So, uh, is the, what is the base? I mean, it's all, is it, it's water then, or how, yeah, how is so it kind of made? It, it, I mean, it works really well with some sodium chloride or potassium chloride, or even just providing those ions. So like potassium sulfate, or if, if you're trying to stay away from chlorides, mm-hmm. um, you have plenty of salt options, but, um, typically have a little bit of that. And, and then a lot of it's just mu- water-based mud components. So some xanthan, some pack, um, and then, uh, you know, the, the silicate typically you're going to run three to 4% by volume mm-hmm. depends on how active it is. Um, up to, I've, I've seen 15, 20%, which oh, wow. is a lot. Ooh. Um, so that would just depend on the reactivity of the clays you're drilling or maybe how much clay you're drilling. Exactly. Uh, um, cause you know, that, that's the trick is this stuff depletes. So you have to keep adding it. Ah, similar to any type of potassium chloride mud or anything exactly. that you're holding a certain concentration of ion, I guess. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So you, you've got to carry that along. Um, you know, but, but the other thing is, uh, typically because if you think about how this stuff makes that surface, um, lubricity is also really important. So you're, you're likely to have a lubricant in there. Gotcha. Sometimes folks will put glycol glycols generally environmentally friendly, offer some lubricity and offer supplemental inhibition. Um, so it's not uncommon to see it there. Um, if you're willing to, to fork over the dough, I guess. So is it similar to a brine where you wouldn't hold much rheology or do you hold properties like you would a a true mud? Yeah. You treat it like a true mud. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So so you tighten the fluid loss and get some rheology and all that jazz. Yep. Okay. Um, what about pH? Is there a certain pH range that you typically run those? Yes. And I, I mean, that's kind of one of the big things is you're going to run your pH around 11. Okay. Um, because it about, 
10, 3, 10, 4, trying to peek over at my notes as I talk. <laughs> um, uh, the silicate becomes insoluble. So it's that acid reaction with the clay that causes it to precipitate out. But if I'm drilling and I let my pH drop, it precipitates out and not on my clay. Interesting. So that, and that's one of the things that makes some folks leery is pH is a logarithmic scale, right? So we're used to running 9 to 10. We go to 11. We're in an order of magnitude higher on the on the basic end interesting and um, that's that's uh using caustic or so the the silicate itself tends to be fairly high ph oh okay. um, and that's can, a dry product the silicate or uh you know it's a liquid okay it comes out in a liquid uh, yeah okay um I, I mean i presume you could get it dry i i just i don't um someone could correct me on that i'd have to go look but, yeah. but we always use it as a liquid from what i remember I'll, again, this is way back when, is we had a tank farm and there were 400s uh, uprights that mm-hmm. had some silicate in there. And then it was sort of like a, a, bl- a mixture. Um, again, as a roughneck, you kind of do as you're told, you don't ask questions. But just going back in the memory bank, how we were running it and then how it was being used, it was, it was, there was a lot of volume being transferred. So yeah. I'm assuming most of it's probably just liquids. Yeah, and, and the liquid, uh, typically those additives can have a pH in the neighborhood of, of 12 or 14. Right. Um, and that gets the safety guys nervous. Sure. Um, so that's, that's just another thing where it's like, yes, you have to run a high pH, but even the additive handled on its own has something that's, that could really burn somebody if it's not handled properly. Sure thing. So if, uh, if folks out there, uh, Thinking of using this type of system, what are some of the pre-planning things that we need to be thinking about with regards to whether it's tools or, you know, rig components? Are there things we need to consider before even applying something like this? Well, I think your your point of coding everything. um, (laughs) Yeah. I I didn't actually encounter that, but I'm a firm believer in it now that I've heard of it. Sure. Um, You know, one of the interesting things is, is looking out for your elastomers at this high pH. So... A lot of the motor companies do know, like, hey, we need to run these, they're compatible. Uh, what you find is that every gate valve, seat, every other thing on a rig that has a little bit of elastomer will break down, mm-hmm. um, and that usually is what gets everybody upset. Uh, and I've been on projects where it was like, the first well was a nightmare because everybody was replacing all these things, and then once they had a more robust material on the rig and kind of you know, a better comfort level, it was easier, but it was still, um, there were still some headaches with that just cause you know, getting high grade elastomer in the form of a gate seat or, or so, something like that. Uh, yeah. it's just harder to come by. Sure. Not to say it's not available. So obviously anything on the rig that has rubbers needs to be considered. Um, what about, I remember, uh, on the rig folks were always talking about how abrasive it was. So I would imagine uh, would you experience a, a higher torque when using something like this? Cause I know during drilling the curve, uh, they were trying to figure out ways to reduce torque, maybe even eliminate the use of it, uh, during the, you know, high angled situations. So is it, is that true? It's more than true. I mean, th- this is actually probably the thing that has kept silicates from getting widespread adoption is the torque is so high mm. and nobody has really come up with anything and I mean, shoot, you know, let me know if you've got something, but, but my experience has been that we've always been looking for something gotcha. and just never got anything that got you anywhere near other kinds of mud systems. Hmm. And so everything, if you think about drilling with water-based mud 
and then having even less lubricity. Um, th- this is where directional control, some of these other things really create a lot of headaches. Um, and and I, I think, you know, between this and the health and safety factor um, of just having that high pH, those are, I, I think those are the two things that have really hurt silicates from taking off. Sure. So it sounds like something ideal would be something shallow in the vertical that present a lot of, you know, issues maybe with wobble stability or just sticky connections. Yeah. You know, I mean, terrible trips. This may be an application. For I think so. And, and I think it's one of those, the reason that it kicks up every few years is because it shows so much promise. Yeah. Um, but there are these sort of nagging hindrances on the rig with equipment. So some of these other things that, uh, especially if you just try it once because you've heard about it. Right. Um, you probably won't go back to it after, you know, one well, he- one well of headaches, even if, even if it does the job down hole. Right. Um, there's just a lot of things to stumble through until you get it refined. And, um, a lot of folks don't make it that far is, is my observation. That makes sense. Are you familiar with, you know, is there sort of a prime area or a basin that historically they've used these? And, and I mentioned Canada, I don't remember exactly where it was. Some, Somewhere as close to the Rockies, but again, again, I don't remember. Is there anywhere in the states that makes a good candidate for something like this? Do you know, I mean, anywhere I've heard it used in Oklahoma. Anywhere you've got these reactive, you know, reactive sections. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think in in some cases as well in unconventional in unconventionals, we know we're going to drill the horizontal with oil based mud, for example. Yeah. So we just drill the reactive section too. Sure. Um, but where I can't use oil based mud, or there's just a lot of reluctance. Um, I know actually on some wells in Israel, it was used, uh, and, and the reason was simply because it was offshore Mediterranean. Um, they wanted to use something, not use oil-based mud because there haven't been a lot of wells drilled around there trying to be good neighbors. Um, and so silicates were utilized for the, for the intermediate. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, Matt, there's really no other questions I have. Is there anything, uh, any closing last words or any good information you'd like to relay to the crew? No, I mean, find me a lubricant and let me know. <laughs> right. Well, folks, appreciate it. That was short and sweet, but we felt like it was important to touch on. So if you have any questions, hit us up at the Flowline Podcast at AESFluids.com. And uh, again, if you have any questions or if there are any topics you're interested in, please let us know. You can find us on LinkedIn or at the email address. And if you'd like to support the show, um, certainly it ex- it's extremely helpful for the growth of the show. Uh, and it kind of keeps us motivated. So if you have any reviews, uh, please leave a review, share it, like it. Um, and if you think anyone may find it interesting, share it with your buddies or maybe even your family members. They might find it some good bedtime listening. You never know. Matt? You never do know. <laughs> you don't. Anyway, appreciate all the, uh, all the support. Until next time, take care. Take care. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week for another exciting episode of The Flow Line. And remember, may your returns always be full and your trips always smooth. Views expressed in this program belong to participants and not their employees. The program is for informational purposes only and cannot take the place of seeking professional advice. Copyright AES Drilling Fluids.